Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Vendo Velocity. Super excited for this one. I think it's a topic that we'll be covering here um, that people um, want to learn more about, and it has piqued interest amongst both the Amazon and Walmart community and overall e-commerce, and nobody better than these two to come on and discuss with me today. So our topic will be covering UGC, and before we dive into the details on what that is, how we look at the process, and how we measure success here at Vendo, I would like to kick off introductions. Um, someone that you very uh, you must be well familiar with is Nicholas Martinez, um, because he was the guy who started the Vendo podcast originally. Um, so Nick, I'll let you go ahead and kick it off with introductions. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Delaney. Happy to be back on here. Um, yeah, I'm Nicholas Martinez, SVP of Marketing here at Vendo. Um, so, you know, within our department, we cover a lot of different bases from Amazon client marketing strategy, Walmart strategy, and increasingly uh, kind of expanding our horizons into uh, areas that may or may not uh, have relevance to, to marketplace. Um, UGC being, you know, an area that, of course, has relevance to marketplace, but e-commerce e in general. Um, so really excited to dig in and, and share what we've been up to in, in that regard. Perfect. And then we also have Sohan, who's on Nick's team here. So Sohan, I think you're a new face to Vendo Velocity. Welcome. Um, we're happy to have you, but I will let you kick off introductions as well. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. So uh, my name is Sohan, Marketing Operations Associate, you know, kind of a you know funny title, but really involved mainly in helping scale out UGC, leading the day to day there and assisting in other things, creator marketing, you know, from a process and execution standpoint and super excited to be here again. Amazing. So as far as creator marketing goes, I think we could do a whole different segment um, breaking up what creator marketing really entails. But for the purposes of today, um, we would like to talk specifically about UGC. So Nick, I will let you kick it off on really what is UGC. And um, I know that we review a, a four-step process here. So if you can kind of take us um, down the rabbit hole on what that looks like, that would be great. Yeah, certainly. So UGC um, stands for User Generated Content. Um, originally, uh, it was considered content that would be created by a brand's customers. So, you know, content that customers would post just w willingly and openly. Um, and, you know, over time, that type of content started to increase um, as social media uh, grew, right? And so brands started to realize, hey, uh, you know, we have customers that are just creating content basically for us. Um, you know, this is very valuable, right? Um, now, fast track, you know, several years to, to now, and it's gone from user generated content being purely focused on the customer to, to also including all different types of uh, people, whether it be, you know, creators that are influencers, creators that are affiliates, um, creators that just like to create for the sake of creating um and may learn about a product through that kind of create creative experience right so the cool thing about uh ugc or cgc as as some are calling it nowadays uh, creator generated content is that um there's so much opportunity for it right um the the creator economy has just absolutely blown up in the last couple of years and it doesn't look like it's going to be slowing down so 
uh, here at Vendo, we we you know noticed that that trend and where it was going a couple of years ago. Um, we understood that platforms like TikTok were going to continue to uh, lend to that that growth of uh, creator content. And uh, you know, being uh, you know good partners to our brands, we wanted to uh, be be of service and uh, have a, a solution for them. So we sought out to build out a, a UGC uh, program. And uh, uh, I was lucky enough to have uh, Sohan here, uh, kind of dropped in my lap about a uh, six to nine months ago or so. I don't know, maybe it's been a year now. <laughs> um, and uh, and and we've really been able to to take off with with building out processes and tactics and and reporting and all kinds of things, which we'll get into today. But uh, Sohan, uh, what be great if you could kind of share that that four step process, being the the operations guy that you are. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Um, you know, would love to dive into it. And you know, just just for context, what I'm going to go over with everyone is just kind of how we execute on UGC for brands and sort of the elements of that four step process. So typically, what we start with is just you know having a conversation with the brand around you know their target audience, you know any sort of brand guidelines, you know really getting an idea of how to segment the creators and filter the creators to what matches a brand and might be the best fit, right? So once we really start to dial in that, you know, and get a sense for the content style, we can start to create what's called a creative brief. Now, for those of you who don't know, a creative brief is essentially the script, you know, the director, us, would give a creator an actor. And so this essentially goes through all the things that you want the creator to do, you know, while not overstepping. That's kind of the crucial part, right? What UGC, the UGC that's performing really well these days is authentic and relatable. So you don't want to overstep and say, hey, I'm the brand. I want you to do everything like this. Don't do this. Don't do that. Usually just give the creator a few sentences, highlight a few points, you know, really just emphasize the hook, you know, introducing the problem, solving the problem, a call to action, whether it's, you know, buy now at a website, you know. And then a quick brand mention in the last three seconds, usually for paid social is a best practice, just showing the packaging and design, right? And so next, you know, you add in your products, you confirm your content style, share all these things, and then you begin the shipping towards the creators, right? Since we do UGC for Amazon as well as paid social, we also ship through Amazon MCF. And so we send it out there. It arrives in a couple of days. And the creators spend about a week, you know, getting ready. They need to plan this out, right? So we share tracking information, let them plan, and then they submit a first draft. And then we go through an editing process where we just edit for flow and all other things, you know, no changing the creative brief on them, but edit for flow and, you know, how it comes off, maybe some slight editing in the videography. And, you know, we go back and forth with the brand and say, hey, what do you think about this? Here's what we recommend about one to two times. And then the last part, is really maintaining a consistent communication with our advertising team after the performance is done. So we can just keep that ongoing loop for the next batch of content, right? Like let's say creator X creates, you know, really high energy content that performs well on whatever advertising platform. We're gonna wanna make sure that for the next batch of content for that brand, when the creative fatigues, we replicate that there. So Sohan, how much control do you have over what some of these creators are producing? Um, I know that you talked a little bit about the direction, but making it a bit more concise. Is this something that you would go back and forth with some of the, these creators on what content they're pushing? Or is it more of, 
okay, this creator, after seeing what they produce, might not be the best fit, so let's move on to the other. Yeah, yeah. So it really depends. I think um, one of the main things you can kind of do is like when you're researching and vetting these creators, you can kind of tell if they're a good fit for the brand, their content style is like, you know, a good fit in general. You know, you can kind of get a sense of like, okay, this is going to be a good fit or not, you know, and, and you can talk to them. Usually they'll ask you questions in a direct messaging chat being like, hey, you know, when we're talking, should I add a voiceover or do you want me to talk in real time? And, you know, you can clarify those things in the creative brief really down to every element of the video. But, you know, while you do have this control as like sort of the director, you don't want to overstep your bounds because that content is going to lose its authenticity and relatability, right? And so being very cognizant of that boundary is, is super important. Absolutely. No, that's a great point. And Nick, I know um, just as it pertains to different channel strategies, are there better strategies, let's say, if you're pushing on TikTok rather than Instagram, or if we're even looking at Amazon versus Walmart? Can you go a little bit um, deeper into how we differentiate in the strategies for different uh, platforms? Yeah, yeah, 100%. And it's a, it's a great question. I mean, the the most obvious difference is is the specs of the the content right on on walmart and amazon um and uh, youtube unless you're doing shorts um you're, you've got the the horizontal video specs right and a lot of uh creator content user content um it's typically created for social platforms like TikTok and instagram and so brands often have a lot of uh, vertical content already, but they don't have really a lot of horizontal content. And so, of course, being that we work with um, you know hundreds of brands across Amazon and Walmart, um, that's usually a big gap in their their advertising strategy on those marketplaces. And so that's something that we can come in and kind of you know uh, provide a solution for pretty pretty quickly. Um, but outside of just the the specs of the the sizing of the video. Um, you know, Amazon and Walmart's typically more middle to bottom of funnel, right? There's a higher intent to purchase. It's a it's a shopping search engine uh, first and foremost, and so um, you you want to have uh, you know uh, information about the products that's a little bit more what you would call like tech tech and specs, right? Versus like branded video. Branded video does have its place on on uh, marketplaces, for example. You know, brand stores um, could could be a good place to to have that type of top of funnel type content, or maybe even an ad that's driving to the brand store. But more so than not, you want to have something that really speaks to a, a call to action around uh, driving that that sales conversion, and and can help basically get that click in that sale as quickly as possible. Um, in contrast, on on TikTok and Instagram, you know, although TikTok now is TikTok Shop. It is, you know, typically first and foremost, you know, a, a social, uh, you know, uh, place, right, and a place for entertainment, um, not necessarily a place where you're going thinking about I want to purchase something right now, right? Now um, that's that's changing a, a little bit, um, but nonetheless, there is still more of a need on TikTok and Instagram to have more top of funnel, a little bit mid of funnel brand awareness type content that really brings the person into the to the brand. And obviously, if you have a, a full on, you know, advertising campaign behind your content, you're going to build out that funnel anyway. Right. And you are going to have, you know, at a certain point, ads that that get served to people that are more bottom of funnel, but 
primarily at the beginning, those first few, you know, ads that they're seeing or content that they're seeing, you you are going to typically want it to be more brand focused. Um, so on any, anything there that, that you think maybe I, uh, I missed? Yeah, yeah. Um, just one thing to add on, you know, for for any viewers who are watching who aren't familiar with any marketing um, terminology, the marketing funnel just represents the sales process. So the more you are at the top is more like the farther away you are from a purchase, right? And the closer you are to the bottom represents a purchase. So, you know, what Nick was saying around, you know, top of funnel versus bottom of funnel is top of a funnel is more of a brand awareness stage where, you know, on TikTok and Instagram, you know, you're, you're scrolling, you know, you're going through your reels, right? And then you see a, a cool product that pops up with like a short engaging hook and, you know, maybe some flashy animations, you know, these are the kinds of things that are going to pique your interest on TikTok and Instagram versus on Amazon, right? You're going to see more horizontal ads while you're searching for products that, you know, have infographics and, you know, certain details that really highlight, you know, the specs and tech, like he was saying, like the product benefits, you know, features and are going to build consideration, which is the middle of funnel and drive towards your bottom of funnel purchase, right? And so when we're creating these ads, right, we're really taking these stages in the in the purchase journey into account when we're creating content on TikTok and meta it's very short you know really around like 15 seconds 20 seconds max you're really just trying to get the consumer excited maybe mention a problem you know need that it solves but really just you know give a brand mention versus on amazon you know we work closely with our copy and creative team to have them insert product stills do call outs you know, really the design standards are a lot different and, you know, meant to educate the consumer and, you know, hit at some pain points. No, that's a great point. So a question for both of you here. I know um, just in terms of where within the PDPs, both on Amazon and Walmart, we look at the infographics, the A-plus content, the brand store. There's a plethora of opportunity as far as where this UGC can be featured. However, what are your guys' overall thoughts? I think some brands might have a little bit of pushback just because they're looking for something maybe a little bit more polished. Um, and when you say polished, I'm sure you guys have heard this time and time again. It's like we need something that's really displaying our brand in maybe a crisp way um, that maybe lacks a bit of authenticity, authenticity, but also tells our brand story a bit um, and is closer to what we want to push on the brand side. Um, is that something you guys hear a lot about? And if so, what is kind of your main argument argument to rebut that? Yeah, yeah, I can I can take that first. Um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, it, it, you got to be mindful of you know where the the content's placed and also your audience, right? Um, you know, the the less polished kind of look. Um, it, resonates better with more of a younger audience, a Gen Z, a millennial type audience, um, the more polished look, you know, the, the opposite. It's it's not always perfectly like that, right? Because you have other forces um, that are that are kind of changing uh, how people view content, such as social media platforms. But overall, that's kind of the approach that we take. Um, now, when it comes to Amazon um, and Walmart, you know, purely UGC style content, at least for ads, it's still um, not leveraged, I would say, uh, as uh, that much. Now it is it is changing, and 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 I guess it's all relative, right? So relative to social platforms, right? Um, it's it's not you know you don't see a lot of purely UGC. So 
in that case, we work very closely with our creative team to create kind of a hybrid approach, right? Where we take that that uh, creator produced, you know, content, um, and then we kind of create a hybrid video with more traditional aspects such as, you know, um, product images, text, you know, uh, kind of uh, text overlay, maybe add some, you know, music. And I know a lot of those things can come together in a UGC video too, but the end product ultimately looks what more like what you would have seen, you know, five, 10 years ago, right? So there's 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 pros and cons to each. And and really, you know, you gotta test, you gotta figure out, hey, what's what's gonna work for my audience on this this different platform or placement, and then rinse and repeat. And just side note, that's another you know beautiful thing about UGC is it's so budget friendly, right? You know, brands, uh, we're talking about you know more traditional video ads, right? That that brand some brands they're spending thousands even tens of thousands of dollars on these video shoots right and sure it might come out looking really great but is the roi better than you know creating uh you know the 250 dollars ugc video that still has a model uh you know you got to test that but we're we're coming from the perspective that um you know this is the present and the future and we want to be there for our brands to to really have that as an option no, that's a great point. And something that you said there, Nick, was just a, a question that I had regarding scale. Um, how much is too much? And really, in terms of creating content for these brands at scale, how difficult is that? What is like the um, ideal um, number of videos or pieces of content in general that you would recommend Sohan pushing out um, for, for any type of brand? Is this more of an evergreen strategy or is it more of a seasonal approach? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, that's a good question. Um, it really depends on a variety of factors, right? Like, for example, the first thing we do when we're working with bigger brands that want to create UGC at scale is really get a sense for their marketing calendar and any sort of promotional plans they have long term, right? You know, ideally, it's nice to have about, you know, three to five creatives, at least for meta, or, you know, other paid platforms in the pipeline at once. But you know, you have to break these out, you know, on a budget basis, on a product slash SKU basis, and then, you know, a use case basis, right? And so when we're looking at someone's marketing calendar, you know, new events like supporting new product launches with new packaging, right? Let's say we're doing like a rebranding for a supplement company, you know, we want to make sure we're hitting our unique selling points and having a couple pieces of content to support. And then additionally, also doing some A-B testing, you know, whether that's, you know, differentiating on the creator's age, you know, the gender, maybe some sort of content style, right? Like a workout with me for a supplement versus, you know, a, a get ready with me or day in the life, you know, more trendy style, right? Or maybe something simple like a product testimonial. So all these tests, variables on that we're A-B testing and any sort of products or SKUs can also, you know, culminate to, you know, different numbers of videos, right? So for bigger brands that are doing five or six products a month with, you know, a very like, you know, segmented audience you know we're going to want to test lots of different kinds of content there and then you know any other things right like seasonal events new product activations you know one big thing that's really been you know huge with ugc is getting creators to do in-store activations and so what i mean by that is if let's say you know product x you know is launching their protein powder in costco you know and we want to drive traffic towards costco right we want to you know, let them know like, hey, our product is available in Costco. So we'll have creators go in, you know, 
And maybe they'll, they'll be in different Costco's throughout the nation, right? So we'd have different creators from different areas go in and just show that. And so at scale, you know, when you're having all these different kinds of use cases and testing, you can really, you know, leverage your content, you know, pretty well for the brand. No, that's a great point. Nick, can you talk a little bit more about some of the timing between behind these campaigns? So, for example, in what Sohan was talking about, a new product launch in a Costco, how early in advance are you building these campaigns to build the anticipation for that launch? Is it all when the product launches? I'm sure there's um, something leading up to that that you want to generate the buzz about. But what does that look like, Nick? Yeah, yeah, no, great question. I mean, just in general, we we can typically, you know, produce UGC in as quick as as quick as two weeks, right? From you know, researching, briefing, sourcing, negotiating, you know, ship shipping product, um, if, unless it's in store, of course, um, and then you know, having them produce it and then go through the editing and et cetera. So when you're thinking about like an in-store launch or just a launch in general um you know you you need to prepare right if it's a digital launch you can prepare so that on day one the product goes live on amazon.com or walmart.com right and you've got the content ready to go for an in-store launch um it can be more challenging with the timeline right because generally you you want to have the product in store to go in show it on the shelf right um and and go ahead and, and check out and um we depending on the the goal of the video we we want to show that whole that whole experience now it, there is an opportunity though to get creative right and and to you know have a a creator go out to you know a walmart brick and mortar store right and film outside and you know maybe have one of the products in their pocket and just kind of show it in front and it doesn't have to be literally on uh, you know available for sale in the store for for that to happen so there, there could be some wiggle room there. Typically, when when we're working with brands, um, the products are already in store, and they're looking to boost, uh, you know, their in-store velocity, right? Maybe they have a buyer review coming up with, uh, you know, a Walmart buyer, and you know, they need to increase that velocity. So we uh, we we build out a UGC campaign. We we um, supplement that with uh, an advertising campaign, right? So we work very closely with our paid paid search and social team and geo target based on the locations we're trying to drive velocity at. Um, and then we have this really kind of comprehensive experience for the consumer to, you know, within 15, 20 seconds to realize, wow, this is this is how easy it is for me to go out, you know, take advantage of this offer if there's an offer, um, you know, a sale or something and, you know, uh, experience this this product and this brand. So um, that's kind of the the, the, the the overview, I guess. But in a, in a perfect case, like we're we're planning out many months in advance for for events. Right. Um, that way we're we're able to do the edits. We're able to really refine and then um, put our best foot forward. So, Nick, for a lot of the campaigns taking place off platform, are you using attribution links or how are you really measuring the success of some of these campaigns? Yeah, yeah, no, it's a it's a great question. And I, I think um, we might have to link it in here. I think if um, Greg and I might have done a, a, a Vendo Velocity on this topic at length. So we can we can put that episode in the comments for for people who want to really dig in more. Um, but yeah, driving digital to in store is is a huge kind of uh, um, you know area of the industry that is growing. There's lots of uh, tech 
you know, being developed around it. Um, you know, there's always been, well, not always, but for a while there's been like, you know, coupons that could be used across retailers. Typically those coupons were printed and, you know, physical and handed out. Um, they then kind of evolved into digital coupons. And then basically there's, there's platforms out there such as uh, Visor and an aisle, right? Where you can do either point of sale digital couponing with Visor or with aisle post-purchase um, rebates. Um, there's also more legacy platforms such as Ibotta that have been doing uh, something along those lines for a while and they have their own app. So it's all about just having some type of digital way to track uh, a transaction that happens in store. And, and thankfully we're, we're living in a time where there's a lot of uh, smart people putting their, their heads together to, to make that happen. And um, we've, we've, we've had uh, some good success jumping on that. It, it's not always um, as um, there's sometimes a little friction and how like a customer might understand it. Right. Cause it's not something that they've been accustomed to getting coupons in the mail and handing it to the cash cashier is, is something people have been doing for decades. Right. But seeing an ad, getting a digital coupon, adding it to your Apple wallet or taking a screenshot. Right. Especially if your audience lends uh, older in age, it can cause friction. Um, so it, it really depends, but that's where UGC can really make it uh, even easier because we can visually within 15, 20 seconds, show that consumer how easy it is and have that light bulb go off in their head and that thereby should increase the performance of that ad or that content in general no that's a great point and i think the the friction is definitely a huge um thing to highlight there just especially with that older demographic i think the younger demographic is definitely used to seeing user generated content and knows how to of course interact um, with technology a bit better than maybe the older generation, but that is really closing the gap there, which is why you see on platforms like TikTok, et cetera, that there is now becoming um, a greater uh, older demographic that's interacting with those platforms as well. So, Sohan, was there anything that you would like to add specifically on measuring success um, of the UGC campaign? Yeah, yeah. I think Nick did a great job talking about, you know, digital to in-store. You know, that's that's super, it's a super cool use case of UGC. I think more just bringing it back to like an evergreen standpoint in our larger like UGC process, how we're, you know, sort of taking the feedback and insights we get from advertisers might be important to talk about. So, you know, one thing we want to keep in, like referring back to the channel strategy is understanding, you know, what platform we're using and what stage, you know, typically the audience is at in the purchasing journey and taking in the brand's goals and then refining some sort of like hero KPIs or metrics, right? You know, when it's like something like a, a paid social like TikTok or, you know, Meta, we're going to be really looking at, okay, like which UGC has like the highest, you know, click through rates, right? Like, you know, what percentage of like, you know, views or impressions are really like clicking on the ad. And, you know, that's going to give us some insight into the engagement, right? When it comes to the efficiency, like, you know, CPCs and everything like that, we're going to let the media buyers worrying about, you know, changing the bid caps and like some, you know, deeper audience strategy. But that's going to let us know at least at like a high level what UGC is performing well. And so what we're going to do after that is identify, you know, usually the top couple performing creatives and really lean into the elements and, you know, talk to the advertisers or other relevant stakeholders saying, hey, you know, based on your audience strategy, do you think age might have been a defining factor for this best performing creative? Or was it really more the gender over here? Or, oh, 
like, you know, this type of content style performed really well. And, you know, we'll, we'll make assumptions and inferences there. And then we'll ultimately use and leverage those insights and optimize that into next batches content. And so that's, that's really where like, you know, Vendo like differentiates itself is, you know, we, we have all of these services in house so we can all talk to each other, right? Like I, I can talk to Greg on the performance of a paid social campaign and me and him can brainstorm for next, next launch. Right. And then if we're doing a, you know, conversion based campaign, same thing, you know, looking at, you know, conversion rate and other metrics like that to identify the best performing ones. That's all I'd have to add. No, that's a great point. And I think it ultimately comes down to also with Vendo, the ability to test and learn um, a lot more than maybe you could elsewhere, just due to some of the resources that we have internally that Sohan was speaking about there. So um, if you are interested in learning more about Vendo's UGC services, Nick, where can they find you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can uh, find me on LinkedIn, obviously. Um, you can email uh, Nicholas, N-I-C-O-L-A-S, at vendocommerce.com. Uh, yeah, and we'll, we'd, we'd love to chat through it. We can, you know, always do just complimentary consult and, and really just kind of talk shop, figure out what you're thinking and, and uh, put together a solution for you. Amazing. And you guys might have questions specifically about TikTok Shops affiliate program, um, which we are excited to um, let you guys know more about in the coming weeks. So we'll definitely have these two back on the Vendo Velocity podcast shortly so that we can review some of the best practices there, because I know we didn't touch on it too much, but that's a whole beast in itself as well. So um, thank you both for joining us today. And I hope everyone has a great week. We'll see you next week for Vendo Velocity. Thanks, everyone.